How many Americans believe the Earth rotated around the sun? <laughs> and that percentage came out to be 75%. And I guarantee you that the 25% uh, who don't think the Earth revolves around the sun are the same people who don't want legal weed. The Green Rush is real. From lawmakers and investment bankers to CEOs and investors, we'll look at how people are transforming cannabis from the shadows of the black market into a cash crop that draws in cannapreneurs from Hollywood to Wall Street. Here to help you navigate the business of cannabis, please welcome Lewis Goldberg and Ann Donahoe. Brought to you by KCSA Strategic Communications. Welcome to another episode of The Green Rush. One note before we start. If you can, please rate and to subscribe. Well, whatever. You know, Just keep rolling. Rate and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to it. Um, it really helps. We want to get your feedback. Um, and as always, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at GreenRushComs. Um, that also really helps us out. So today... Unlike all of the previous episodes that you've had the, the joy of listening to, we aren't actually interviewing um, anybody from the industry. It's an opportunity for us, me, Lewis Goldberg, and Donahoe to talk about what it's been like to do this podcast. It's a, a, a host full episode. Um, and we're going to take a, a little bit of a look back at the year in cannabis for 2017. Um, so. Right by now, Ann and I have recorded just about a dozen different uh, episodes, and hopefully we're getting better at it, and you're enjoying listening to us and listening to the to the guests that we've been talking to. And in a few minutes, we're going to be bringing in Phil Carlson, uh, Managing Director on the Investor Relations Team here at KCSA, and Nick Opich, um, who you've heard us mention on every single podcast, who is a Senior Account Executive on the PR team. Both of these guys are partners of ours, Ann and mine, um, in working on on the cannabis accounts. Phil takes a look at it from the capital markets perspective. Nick talks to reporters and to influencers on a regular basis. And, you know, Nick is also an associate producer on the podcast. So we thought it was an opportunity for other voices other than Anne and mine to be participating in this. Um, but before we bring them in, um, Anne, when we started this, you were relatively new to the industry. Um, you were not somebody who is a cannabis head or a pothead. What's this experience been like for you? Um, well, I'm only six months in at this point, so <laughs> definitely better. But um, I think what's also interesting and what people might not know is that I actually live in L.A. So we record this podcast. We're bi-coastal. Um, and I think living in L.A., just living in California in general, there's a different vibe and a different uh, attitude towards cannabis. Um, everyone out there has a, a per, has a card. prescription card. Yeah. Um, and it's not a big deal. And so when I come out here, it's a very, um, it's very different. You still have people talk about, you know, dealers and their suppliers and, you know, it's, it's still very black market out here. And, um, it's just the stigma has completely been lifted from the West coast. So I think what's also helped me in addition to being in this industry from a PR standpoint, but living in a state where it, the, the risk and the, um, the, well, the, the industry has been mostly de-risked in California. Yeah, and, and it's more accepted in the culture. It's just not it's not a thing anymore. And I, but, you know, you're not, but you're not somebody who is historically somebody who would go out and roll a joint and no. sit back and have that with a glass of wine. No. Um, I remember the very first time that you and I went to a dispensary and your <laughs> eyes kind of bugged out. Like, holy shit, this is legal? And, 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 you know, the first time that you tried an edible, I mean, it was 
it was a, a really right. eye-opening experience. For well, me. you weren't with me the first time I tried an edible. No, that's true. Because I go to sleep when I do an edible. Um, but I think what <laughs> surprised me there was the many different vehicles, because in my brain it was just rolling a joint or watching someone take a bong hit. It wasn't, or even <laughs> vaping. I had no idea what, you know, the, what all of these other vehicles are, or the oils mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think that's what I found really interesting, too. Um, I think being in the cannabis industry is becoming a little bit more um, accepted. Uh, I, my mother-in-law called me the other day. She saw something on LinkedIn. Actually, her brother saw something on LinkedIn and forwarded it to her. I was on a name of a press release or something. Um, and I, and I said, am I being tattled on? Is that what they're doing? And she said, no, her brother had sent it to her and said, I think it's really cool that she's in the industry. And I think it's a, it's an industry that's growing and it's good that we have someone in on the ground floor here. And I, and you know, he's this accountant from Connecticut. So the fact that he thought it was cool, like, well, he also yeah. was probably thinking that you could get him a hookup because yeah. Connecticut's not a legal state. Yeah. Yet. And I have a lot of people asking me for hookups and I'm like, you live in California. You don't really need until Phil sheepishly raises his hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, that's a good thing. so Phil, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself and, and not like a normal new business pitch, but just like talk a little bit about your experience in the cannabis industry. So, okay, Phil Carlson, with I've been here for, I guess, what, seven years, eight years? Yeah. Going on eight years. Um, you know, you and I got into this industry, what, about five years ago? I'd yeah, say? just about. And it started with the PR side, but, you know, we had some companies that we were working with on the IR side that, um, you know, these guys were like smaller players in the, in the space when we first got started. And it's really changed over the last um, five years. Well, it's changed. it's changed significantly over the last five years from when we first started this. But, um, you know, it's definitely it's changing for the better. You're seeing a lot of guys that are coming into this space now that are... You know, these are guys from Morgan Stanley, from Goldman Sachs, KKR, you know, and they're all making... Cantor Fitzgerald. Cantor Fitzgerald. Yeah, these guys are all, you know, placing bets on on where this industry, where it goes from here. And, you know, we're seeing the tide change. Everything's changing. Um, You know, I I, I mean, for me, looking at it over the last 12 to 18 months, you know, it's hockey sticked in terms of consumers acceptance of of the plant um the investors interest in the industry the the international changes that are taking place and and you're getting to see a lot of this on the ground floor right i mean you're taking companies out to talk to investors to to conferences and trade shows yeah what's your experience changed so well like when we first got in this like i said five years ago you know we were calling guys up and introducing these these cannabis companies and people you know they were hanging up they weren't taking our calls it was pretty much, it, you know, it was definitely a challenge then. But now we have guys, I, I don't want to call it any firms because these guys are probably listening, doing it, doing they're it listening. in their high, high net worth <laughs> accounts. But uh, there are some well-known funds out there that are definitely making calls to us and asking, you know, whether it's Kush or Terratech or Ianthus or whatever, they're calling up and they, these guys are genuinely interested in this space, whether it's for their fund specifically or for themselves personally. So Anne, Phil, and I are all, you know, either in our late 30s or I'm in my late 40s, um, and we have a different experience with cannabis, um, both from a, a consumption and historic perspective, as well as a business perspective. Nick, you're in your 20s. When you tell people that you work on cannabis clients, what are the, what do they, they feedback to you? 
uh, can I get a job? Mainly. <laughs> um, Not can I get a joint? Can I get a job? No, yeah, they're they're extremely excited about it. Like when we were t- uh, working around the MJ Biz conference in Vegas and like telling them like, no, I've got to like spend some time yeah. pitching and uh, speaking with reporters around that. Like we're sending a couple of clients down to Vegas to go to this big conference around cannabis. They were just psyched and they wanted to get involved and wanted to know different things. I've gotten to um, meet different people like. Uh, that were friends of friends that are involved in like different cannabis organizations that I would have never met. But uh, yeah, so I'm only 25 compared to everybody else on this team. So, but I can say I've been a cannabis enthusiast for probably about 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, so that's yeah. a, a good question. I think is you know we're all very conscious of using the word cannabis. Um, you know we don't call it weed or pot or or anything like that. But when it you know, when we talk about it, it's it's more in a professional setting. But when you talk to your friends and your family, and this is for for any of us, and you start using the word cannabis, and you're not calling it weed or marijuana, um, what's the reaction that you guys get from from your friends and family when you're really focused on that word? Well, uh, it's just to jump in, like everybody that I speak to at my my age level is most likely saying marijuana or pot, and I try to make it. Ever since we've really started like accelerating our cannabis practice, is I try to use the word cannabis because I think it separates. Um, the way we talk about it, when you say cannabis, when you're speaking about it, it's like an adult use industry rather than recreational. Correct. Recreational makes it sound like, you know, somebody's going to be out on the beach in California getting stoned in front of a bunch of kids, which just that's not going to actually be the case. So I think it's important for especially ish, ish but which, by the way, I've been told by my partners, I am no longer allowed to use. <laughs> I can't say ish. There was a list on my whiteboard in my like office. Like the CDC? <laughs> yeah, like the CDC. Yes, we are. We, ish is now one of the words that Trump has banned. <laughs> but yeah there's there's a conscious effort to try and you know we're, we're on the ground floor of this we're the ones that are one of the first pr companies really dedicating a practice to it so it's important that we use the right language that are is going to make our clients better yeah well cannabis it, it, it's the more professional term you know when people are talking about marijuana and weed you're you're going back to that old stoner culture right and mm-hmm. when you have the more you have professional people getting into the space you know you're, you're trying to legitimize I guess, it yeah legitimize yeah. everything here yeah and I think there's huge stigma when it comes to weed and pot and that's how it's discussed among you know definitely my circle of friends but my default word for it is is cannabis and I think it's because I started late to the game and we made such a conscious effort to to speak in the right way and and we know more than anything that words, um, have I mean words have meaning, but, but impact. It, it is a real impact, and I think that um, you know when you when you talk about it in the in the grand scheme of cannabis, it's so much more than just weed and pot. Um, so actually, that might be a good place for us to break. We'll be right back with our host full episode. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. 
Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to The Green Rush. Um, I'm Lewis Goldberg. I'm joined by uh, the hostess with the mostess, uh, Ann Donahoe. And today, Let's not make that a thing. That's definitely not going to be a thing. <laughs> Trust me. That I will. I can guarantee you I will never say that again until the next episode. So we're here with Phil Carlson um, and Nick Opich, who together we are the core of the, the cannabis team here at KCSA. And this is, this is not going to be a promo for us. This is really an opportunity for us to talk about what it's been like to really get involved in the industry, um, what we've seen looking back over the last year and what we look forward to. So, Anne, um, why don't you talk about uh, to, to, about what you think the biggest story of the year has been in cannabis for 2017? I definitely think it's been the uh, Constellation investment in Canopy Growth, uh, which is the uh, Canadian medical marijuana behemoth. Uh, Constellation is a $42 billion company behind Corona and my personal favorite, Kim Crawford. <laughs> Uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Um, and Why did you mumble Sauvignon Blanc? But, I mean, <laughs> Sauvignon Blanc. Um, but the the talk has been that this is is you know laying the groundwork for a potential cannabis infused beverage. But I think it's so much more than that. I think it's it's two things. It's the the liquor industry, the spirits industry, hedging their bet uh, because you know as as more and more states. Uh, at least in the U.S. and Canada is a different story, but there's been a, a marked change in the consumption of alcoholic beverages where cannabis is present or pot is present. Um, and I think that you know you can either get on board or you can just just sit and fight and watch your market share drop. And I think Constellation has decided to do the former. Um, and we and in our conversation a couple episodes ago, and we'll put it in the show notes and link back to that episode where we talked to Bruce Linton, the the CEO of Canopy. Um, he was talking about the the research and development angle, um, how Constellation is looking to do infused drinks. And then when we talked with uh, William Simpson, the CEO of um, Golden Leaf, he was talking about the. The, the stance that alcohol companies and pharmaceutical companies have taken against cannabis, um, mostly in Arizona and in Florida. in Florida. And we're seeing with Constellation, the industry, the, the alcohol industry, recognizing that consumption rates are as high for cannabis in legal 
jurisdictions as they are for alcohol. I mean, there was a study that came out this week that showed that in Canada, people are consuming um, by gross sales the same amount of cannabis as they are now consuming alcohol. So, you know, Constellation clearly recognizes this as a significant trend. Well, on top of that, I don't know if you guys saw the Washington Post Facebook story this morning. It was uh, regarding uh, weed and, and alcohol. And, and this morning is? Uh, this morning is uh, Wednesday, December 20th. Uh, they did a couple of posts on there, but you know, a solid body of ed- evidence uh, has shown that if, if more people have access to weed, then alcohol sales are going to drop. So, like you said, these companies are recognizing that like the, the usage is uh, getting up there, and as people have more access, they're going to want those options. And that's a good option. A question for you is, how are you seeing, I mean, Nick, as you talk to reporters and you're looking at the data and helping our clients communicate, what are you seeing in terms of public perception? How are you seeing or how is that being fed back to you? So it's, like I said, I, I'm only 25 right now. I grew up in the uh, going to D.A.R.E., like as a kid in elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like we, that, that's, that was our Isn't introduction. Isn't McGruff the crime dog your best friend? <laughs> oh, my God, no. But but that was the perception when when I was a little kid not too long ago um, that, you know, once, once you're uh, on marijuana, you're going to fall into a, a drug trap where now we're seeing, like, there was a Gallup poll uh, back in October that 64% of Americans uh, want legal weed or they think it should be. And then on top of that... Legal what? Legal legal cannabis. cannabis. (laughs) (laughs) But I think even more... to speak to the public opinion is uh, a recent study showed that Republicans are actually um, expressing uh, interest in legalizing weed with 51% wanting to uh, see it uh, be accessible for adults. Well, just going off that 64%, that was for adult use medical, right? Yeah. So there was a poll by Quinnipiac back in April that it was 94% of Americans supported some form of legal medical cannabis. And at the MJ Biz Conference back in November, I was at the investor lunch with uh, Chris Levy from uh, he was Chris Levy from MedMen was the uh, the keynote there, and he was trying to find something that he could compare that to. And the only thing he could compare it to was how many Americans he how many Americans believe the Earth rotated around the sun, <laughs> and that percentage came out to be seventy five percent. And I guarantee <laughs> you that twenty five percent. Uh, who don't think the earth revolves around the sun are the same people who don't want legal weed. Well, I'm saying so 74% wanted, or 74% believe that the earth rotated around the sun, and then you have 94% that believe that there should be some form of legal medical marijuana. Don't you think that has to do, though, with there's an aging population as people get older and aches and pains happen and, you know, they're finding that traditional drugs aren't, you know, no one wants, I mean, the opioid crisis is, we should have a whole separate show about that. But, um, you know, as more and more doctors are becoming familiar with with prescribing, you know, medical cannabis, you know, there's a population of the of the audience that's or of the United States that's older, that's white, that's in pain and cannabis can be not you Lewis yes me I have two to be honest I have two herniated discs in my neck and and they kill and the only thing that actually helps with the pain is cannabis I've taken um, muscle relaxants I've taken non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs I will not take opioids because I'm afraid of getting addicted when I'm in real pain 
cannabis THC is the only thing that can actually make the day passable. So I am that person you're describing. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm also, like Nick, somebody who has historically been happy to roll a joint. Um, but that's that, and that was for, for, for pleasure. Now I actually use it for the medicinal side because it really helps. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, know. I think just to, to build off of that, when you're talking about it for access for people that are in like, a situation in pain, one of the most common stories we've heard when, like, since we started the cannabis practice is how much it helps people with epilepsy um, really be able to handle their condition on a day-to-day basis. And when it comes to the the other option is taking drugs or some, potentially well, getting epilepsy, addicted. The drugs for for especially for children's epilepsy tend to be heavy duty barbiturates and the use of CBD and THC or super high CBD and and some THC for the entourage effect it doesn't have the same impact and when a kid's having a grand mal seizure giving them a super high dose of THC can quell the seizure quickly Um, there's a, a, a grower in Colorado named Jason Cranford, who has a new product called Canatrol, which is a nasal um, spray spray. that is a super concentrated dose of THC. And I've seen videos of these kids who are, I mean, it's, it's, they're, they could die from these things. And and the parent will spray the THC in their nose and the, the, the seizure stops. So it's, it is, it's medicine. It's not, it's not just for getting high. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's shift a little bit and talk. Um, I'm going to actually come back to something that Phil said a little bit earlier uh, when he was at the MJ Biz Conference. Um, you know, the there are 18,000 people there this year, which is apparently it's 80 year, 80 percent year over year growth. Yep. Um, the a lot of the institutions are still on the sidelines. You're talking to investors and you're talking to high net worth and family office managers, and they're investing their own private money into this. Um, what 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 are you hearing from them? You know, why why are they saying I'm not ready for my my fund to be involved, but I don't want to sit on the sidelines personally because I feel like I'm missing the boat. It it all comes down to the federal legalities here, and that's why these guys are not putting their funds. Not getting the funds involved, you know, they're, but they're doing it from the high net worth standpoint. They're doing it on their own. And a lot of these high net worth guys are looking at this as more of a vanity investment these days. They're not. So know, they can say, like, so I say, got hot yeah, socks. Instead of them putting money, whatever, into a Broadway show or into a sports team, they're saying, hey, I own a marijuana cup cannabis company <laughs> it's hard it's hard to break yourself of that you it know, is. I mean, nick you said you went to dare um yeah. you know we grew up in the the just say no or I, at least i did in the just say no era with nancy reagan oh. and, and ronald reagan um it's going to take a long time to change the perceptions of people about the the plant itself and so you know when you're talking phil to investors you know are they just wanting to take these meetings for the fun of it, or are they actually seeing the business side of these companies? And they, are they seeing return on their investment yet? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, you know, that will come. But a lot of these guys are because, you know, these stocks are rallying, as you can see, with like what's been going on up in Canada. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, these guys are taking these meetings because they're interested in the space and they see the opportunity that's, you know, that's, that's coming here in this space. There is a significant opportunity um, that has it's basically like plowed through over the last five years um but you have companies that are being you know pretty much backdoored into this as well like with the constellation Mm -hmm. um investment into canopy you have 
Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, Fidelity, and J.P. Morgan are all in the top 10 holders of oh, I didn't even think about that side of it. Yeah. Wow. And so yeah. now these guys are, by default, part of their <laughs> So that's a real so, – so given that they are not allowed to invest in federally illegal ventures – does this mean that they're going to have to divest of Constellation or is because it's a secondary or tertiary investment that they can stay in? I'm sure that Constellation had spoken with these funds yeah. and said, hey, we're going to make you this you know, investment. I don't think they would just go and try to piss off their uh, five of their uh, largest top ten holders, you know, or five that are in the top ten. But um, it's certainly uh, an interesting, interesting time right now. So – I think that the, for me, the interesting thing about all of this is, is leading to the consumer experience. You know, Constellation is one of the largest alcohol, um, either manufacturers or importers. It's all about giving a consumer a good experience. And right now, um, the thing that I have found most fascinating is over the past year, we have traveled to um, Canada, to Washington State, to Oregon, California, Nevada, and uh, Colorado, and we've been able to go to dispense in all of these different locations where it's legal now. And the, the retail experience is fundamentally different in each state. And I have been fascinated to see the different experience. We're all used to going shopping. You go and you go clothes shopping and you go into the Gap or you go into Banana Republic or you go into Uniqlo. And it's it's the same experience no matter where you're going to clo- clothes shopping. You're going into uh, a wine store, though, and it's very different. There are high-end wine stores, and then there are like liquor stores that are kind of like bodegas. And cannabis is much more like that differentiated wine experience. Some of them are really high-end and have great people who understand the difference in the the strains, the difference in the delivery methods. The bud tender. The bud tender, which I hate that name. I hate that name. What would you change it to? Uh, How about a retail associate? Okay. Uh, Nobody um, wants to tell their friends they're a retail <laughs> yeah. associate at a dispensary. But, but, you want to be a bud tender. That's expertise. No, you don't. you no, know well, about the plant. But it's the same thing as being a barista at Starbucks, right? It's. I think it's closer to being a sommelier at a restaurant. You, you know the different products that are there. You're able to give recommendations based off what I the customer wants. And I just love it when people disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I live my life in disagreement, so that's fine. Um, but I think, I think that... Um, that the retail experience is changing and that when you look at companies like Golden Leaf or Forefront, which are doing multi-state operations and trying or or Terratech, um, who are trying to do multi-state retail operations and consist, make a consistent experience, whatever that experience is, that's only to the benefit of the industry. So I think we'll take a, a quick break here and get back into um, something that I wish we had something to pass around, but we'll do puff puff pass uh, <laughs> when we come back. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC, symbol MCIG. 
Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apexsupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back. Uh, we're talking with Phil Carlson and Nick Opich uh, from KCSA. Uh, they are on the Team Cannabis. Uh, I don't know. What do we call it? We should have a mascot. What should our mascot be? Um, the leaf? Yeah, <laughs> I actually have a little um, plush leaf that I gave to my 11-year-old son who absolutely adores. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, Parent of the year, everybody. Well, Parent of the year. It. We're going to steal it from Lewis's 11-year-old. Um, so now we're going to do a segment um, that we do each week, which, Phil, I'm sure you know since you listen to every episode. Yes. Um, it's called Puff Puff Pass, and we talk about two things that we actually ask our guests, talk about two things you love about the industry and one thing you hate about the industry. Um, and I think let's take this for... Um, for whatever it is, so you can look at look in the future what you really hope for the industry, what you hated about this past year. Just let's just leave it open for interpretation. So go, Phil. Go, go Phil. Yeah. Uh, two things I'm looking forward to. Well, one, New Jersey. Let's see what happens there. <laughs> and by the way, Phil and I both live in New Jersey, <laughs> and I'm from New Jersey. So uh, and, yeah, and I really... Nick has looked at New Jersey. Yeah, I can see it from my house. <laughs> just like Sarah Palin can see Russia. <laughs> exactly the same thing. So, uh, in another thing, though, California, I'm really looking forward to, to the state coming online. You know, when you look at just the size of what's, you know, what's going to transpire there, just like compare Ocean County, for example. There are a little over 3 million people that live in Orange County. Compare that to the state of Colorado that has 5 million people. The state of Colorado has 200 plus dispensary licenses out there. Orange County has 20. Wow. So you're going to see, you know, just when this state comes online here, uh, you know, in a couple weeks, it's going to be. The state of Colorado generated about 200 plus million dollars in tax revenue um, from the sale of cannabis. It was 300 million after for the first nine months of 20. Is that high? Yeah. 2017? 2017. So they're projecting over a billion dollars for the state of California. Yes. Um, and the one thing you're all the revenues you're looking at for California in the next couple of years, you're talking potentially six billion in just in the years. state alone, just in this triples the size of the market. So what do you what are you concerned about or what do you dislike about the industry? The traveling to all the conferences. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see my family every now and then. No, but um, 
What do I dislike about the industry? You know, I, I think that there are there's a lot of narrow minded people out there that don't, you know, why is the why is it still a schedule one drug? And this this makes no sense. You know, there you can see the medicinal purposes for for cannabis. And I just, you know, I, is the government keeping it schedule one so they can still reap the 280 tax benefits? Is that, you know, why why? Why is the government keeping it in Schedule One? I have no idea. But that's one of the things that I just can't stand about 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 this. So you actually did puff pass pass, but that's okay. We'll okay. give you a pass. <laughs> <laughs> Nick. Um, well, the the first thing I'll uh, I'll say that I really like is the growing accessibility to different products. Where in the past, it's you get your rolling papers, you get your weed, or you get like a quick pipe, and you just you smoke that wherever you can. Where now you have the accessibility to get different oils, different cool cool different vapes that like give you different experiences. You understand more of the uh, different strains of the plants. So just we're up to 26 states now that are legal so just having the accessibility to actually go out and buy the things that you want to buy in the industry is nice to see um the second thing that i like is the growing number of media members that i actually get to work with on a day-to-day basis that actually cover the marijuana industry and are knowledgeable about it um too often i've spoken with like business reporters at and publications that just have no idea about uh, the lingo of the industry or um, what these companies are doing at, for like actual marketing purposes. I spoke with the reporter who said, um, I've only ever seen like advertisements that are geared towards millennials or Gen Xers when I'm speaking with these companies. And it's like, no, they're trying to inform everybody. It's like, it, there's so much out there for everyone to get involved in this industry and, and get what they need. Um, so seeing that reporters are starting to get dedicated to this beat is, is nice to see. And your past? Um, I think it's still very confusing in terms of what the laws are, and there's targeted enforcement towards minorities still, um, specifically because of that confusion. Like, recently there was an NCAA athlete that was found with less than a quarter amount of weed that he smoked after a, a college football game and got booked. And it's like, well, 26 states in the United States are, are legal where you can have actually carry this around and not have any problems but they're still targeted enforcement against minorities. So um, with all the legal confusion and with different states coming on with different rules, I'd like to see that change. So, Anne, what about you? I mean, as, as, as somebody who is not a 10-year head or new to the, you know, is relatively new to the industry, what are the two things you really like? Um, I really like that I learn something every day. This, uh, I'm still so new to it, but I, it's, it's hard to keep up with all of the news that's happening. And to Nick's point, it's, it's confusing that, you know, I, I, when I'm talking to reporters, I have to, Remember, you know, I'm talking about the state of California, which whose regulations are very different from the state of Washington, from the state of Oregon, from the state of Colorado. So I think that's um, I think it can be a, a lot more streamlined and a lot more efficient. Um, and I think that my second puff, <laughs> my second puff is that <laughs> I've never heard it put that way, um, is that this is an industry that can only go up. We're only we're we're scratching the surface. And I think that um, it, it can, can only, only get, get higher. higher. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> That's the hostess with the most. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Um, and I think what I what I hate about it is um, is the current administration and their uh, they have such power to uh, to be a force for good in this field, and they are doing nothing but roadblocking. And um, and I think 
I mean, I they're can, obfuscating. Uh, they're making it harder. They're making it harder, and and you know, and I think a lot of people are betting their lives and their fortune and um, and their careers on this industry. And to live in such a world of limbo um, is excruciating. I'm sure. I mean, not not just for us, but for the people who are growing, who are um, who are you know creating this product and selling this product and investing in this product you know that's I, it's just why can't we just have a, an industry where um, there's there's rules and regulations I'm definitely for that yeah. um, but to live in this gray area is just excruciating I think for a lot of people yeah. and Lewis what's your uh, puff puff pass so the, I think the first thing that really excites me about the industry is it's professionalizing um, very quickly we are seeing that the industry has is moving out of its black market past and into this green market where you've got professional bankers and, and people who are accountants and real marketers, communicators like us who are getting involved and it's helping destigmatize the industry very quickly. Um, the other thing I really love about the industry is that I am able to have in-depth conversations with my kids about the, the cannabis industry um, in ways that are not shaming. Um, we're not pot shaming anymore. Uh, we're able to have conversations about what the real medical value of the plant is, what the business opportunity is. Um, and I think that's really important because it's changing the nature and the attitudes of people who are slightly younger than you, Nick, and they are not going through the DARE programs. They are having conversations with people like us about what this is. And it's there's not a, this negative stigma. For me, the biggest challenge, the thing that bums me out the most about the industry is um, I came to this through the medical side of it, from learning about the, the impact on children's epilepsy and adult epilepsy, and that because the federal prohibition is still in place, there's not real medical research being done. So we actually don't know what the proper doses are. We don't know what the, the proper formulations of THC versus CBD to treat different things are. Um, and I think it's really incumbent on the federal government to allow for real medical research to be done in the industry so that we're not guessing. and and that people can actually get the medicine of the medicine in the way that will be most valuable to them. Great. So I think that's a show. So thank you guys. Thanks to Phil thank and you. to Nick uh, for joining us today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to chat with us, you can find us on Instagram. Oh, and to Catherine Green. Yes. Yay. Yay. Who is recording this for Instagram. Catherine's um, our social media person and we've not mentioned her before, but now we have. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and her, yes, her last name really is Green. Um, so <laughs> we are uh, on Instagram and Twitter uh, with the handle at GreenRushComs, as well as uh, at KCSA-Cannabis.com, or feel free to drop us an email at GreenRush at KCSA.com. And happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, um, happy Kwanzaa, happy Kwanzaa. Thank you, and happy New Year. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.